Welcome to Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. We are back on Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast, PatsFans.com. I'm Russ Goldman. Along with me is Steve Balsheri, and Derek Havens will be joining us in a little bit. As we look back at the Patriots' loss to the Packers, and later on we'll be previewing the upcoming game against the Lions. Just want to mention, as always, to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and also to the Pats Fans YouTube channel. Please do subscribe there because actually this live video will be up there, so please do subscribe there. Okay, Steve, before we... Go on any further. I do want to mention one thing, and I want to go right to you. I was thinking of you last week. Steve survived Hurricane Ian. No, it wasn't Ian Logue. It was actually Hurricane <laughs> Ian. We joke about that now. But uh, how are you doing, my friend? Before we go on any further, how are things going where you are right now? And uh, I'm glad that you and your family are okay. Yeah, we had some... Uh you know, damage outside. Uh, luckily, very little damage to the home. Although I, I I, don't know if it's an omen or not, but I just had a large vulture land on my one ice cream outside. So I don't, okay. know, if he's, I don't know if he's trying to tell me something, but uh, yeah, that's what, <laughs> if you saw me looking up a second ago. I did. Yeah, that's what I was like. Wow, he's a big one too. He had a, like a three or four foot wingspan. So, wow. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's trying to tell me something. But, you know, the our area, uh, I live in the Fort Myers area. We got smacked pretty hard. Um, right. Luckily, our home had very little damage. So, um, you know, we were very lucky there. We had four trees uprooted in the backyard, though. And so, uh, like I said, we were very fortunate that we didn't have more damage because of that. But everything's almost back to normal around here. Well, you know, downtown Fort Myers, it's going to take, I don't even think it's going to take months. I think it's going to take years for that area to get back to where it was. Okay. Well, good. Well, our friend Chris says hello. And uh, Chris, uh, thank you for chiming in and always watching our shows. As I always mention, Chris is a Liverpool supporter. He watches every one of my Fulham shows. Yes. It still blows me away. And thank you so much, Chris. I okay. really appreciate well, just, that. Uh, we just asked Chris not to mention Izzo today like he did yesterday because somebody's ears will perk up. Yeah, you know, I don't want to go there. And she's <laughs> I don't think she's watching right now, but if she is, I, I'm I'm done with that. I'm I'm done with the Izzo stuff. I, I really I've had it. I love Claire. You and I love Claire. She's got to let it go. She can't, but she's got to let it go. That's a little funny inside joke between all of us of uh, Claire Cooper's love for Ryan Izzo. But thank you for chiming in, Chris. Okay, Steve, before I go to you, because I want to spend a good amount of time talking about this game in Green Bay, I want to share something with you because, again, I, I, I've, uh, I've had some really interesting – Thoughts on the game, but I just want to talk about my reaction after the game. And there's been a lot of reaction to it because I thought I would tweet something after the game. But let's, before I do that, Derek's with us. So I'm going to actually bring Derek back on. Derek, how you doing? 
Hey guys, how we doing? Good, good. Just missed a couple of minutes. I just mentioned uh, very early on the, about the situation with Steve, and Steve just shared with us how he's doing. And his family's all well. Yes, yes, I know. I'm, I'm. Uh, I was happy to hear from Steve yesterday when we talked, and I'm, uh, you know, hopefully uh, any of our Florida listeners, that's the same way with them, where they avoided some major disaster and families are all well. And prayers and you know, thoughts to those who are living down there. It's a, some scary videos and images down there over the weekend. Yep. So, Absolutely. And thankfully, Steve and his family and everyone down in Florida, we're hoping everyone's okay. And uh, glad that's how we started the show. And Derek, as I was just about to share with Steve, we got a lot to talk about. Derek was at the game, so we're going to get his firsthand look at the game, really get into that, really dive into that. But I want to start here. This is not, just so you know, not a Russ's rant. What this is, is just going to be me sharing my thoughts on uh, basically how I felt after the game. And I'm going to share a tweet because this tweet actually got more likes than I've ever gotten from any tweet. So I'm just going to share this with everyone. And I'm going to get both of your thoughts on it. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to like it or not like it. But, you know, I certainly understand if you know, if you don't like it, you know that that's fine. But just give me one second while I share that, or I'm having problems for some reason. I'm not able to share it, so it's not letting me share. Just with, read. Um, it. Just read it off. What was that? Just read, just it, read off. it. Okay, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna read it to you guys. The past made me very proud to be a fan today. I don't care about being one and three. I care that the future is very bright with improving defense and improving offense. I got a thousand and seven likes off that. Now must had had to have involved the Miguel bump, right? I mean, obviously. All right, good. Of course it involves the Miguel bump. You you can't go wrong with that double Oh seven. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. But (laughs) I, I want to just mention the reason why I tweeted that. Now I tweeted it. Because I was looking at it, thinking about me and Derek and our rebuilding thoughts of where we want the Patriots to be. Thinking about the fact that they went to Green Bay and had to go to a third-string quarterback and took them to overtime. Now, could they have won the game? Do I wish they would have won the game? Did they make mistakes to prevent them from winning the game? Yeah. But I was proud of them being able to be in the situation they were under the conditions that they were. And that's all I did. And this was not me looking at it and people's like, Oh, here comes the moral victory. It's like, I don't look at it that way. I look at it big picture. These are the positives I come out of it. I wasn't expecting a game and I got more than I bargained for. So I was happy coming out of it. Not happy that they lost. Happy with the reaction from the New England Patriots. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Derek, we'll talk about the game, and I definitely want your view on it, but I just want to get your thoughts on that. Well, Steve and I had a long off-air conversation yesterday about the game, and yep. um, I, I look, Russ, I, I'd love to I'd love to really argue with you here, um, <laughs> but I, I, I tend to agree a little bit. Now, I will say this. I thought that they had opportunities to kind of win each of the last two games. And obviously 
the Green Bay game was closer than the Ravens game, although I thought the Patriots put up a pretty good fight against Baltimore overall in week three. Uh, we didn't get a talk last week before the Packers game. Um, I did think that the spread was way too big, and I did think the game was going to be closer than most. Um, but I ultimately viewed this last game, Russ, with the Packers as literally one of those games where when someone says it comes down to just a you know a handful of plays, one or two plays, that was it. That was the Packers game in a nutshell. And for your tweet specifically saying, you know, you don't care about the team being one and three, think the future is bright. I think if you are looking at this Patriots team from, you know, a 10,000 foot overhead view, you should feel good about, you know, the rookie class in this game uh, specifically. Um, You know, Steve mentioned that to me on the phone yesterday. I want to step on his point, but look at your contributions from Marcus Jones in the return game. Jack Jones playing corner. Cole Strange had a nice game. Uh, Your young running backs had good games. Uh, You know, like there's, there's a lot of things to come out of this game feeling optimistic about. At the same time, it is a little frustrating that they're back in a one and three hole, uh, you know, just like last year. And, how much better would we feel if they were at two and two? I know that's a, such a small difference, but you would be feeling better. But I, if you're a Patriots fan coming out of that game on Sunday, how can't you feel pretty good given, you know, the, your fourth round, third string rookie quarterback going toe to toe with Aaron Rodgers? And I know that Zappy wasn't necessarily chucking the ball all over the yard, but his composure was strong. And, uh, you know, it's not a feel good moral victory kind of thing, but it's hard to really knock them for losing that game on Sunday too. Okay. Very interesting take over to you, Steve opening thoughts. Yeah. Um, you know, talking with Derek yesterday, we went over the game and, you know, it came down to, um, I found fault with coaching decisions at the end of that game mm. that cost them that game. Not We're going to go to that. Share that. We're going to share that in a little bit because I, yeah, I want to but dive that, that's, into that. That's what I, I took. And, and, and again, yep. I, I mentioned to Derek that, you know, um, I thought the rookie class had a great Sunday. And, you know, as much as that rookie class was maligned by the uh, by the fans and media, you know, all spring and summer as being awful. I mean, you look at those guys and the way they played. I think you have to feel pretty good in the direction that they're going. I, I know Cole Strange has been a starter since, you know, day one. Right. Um, you know, I thought he had a really good game. Jack and Marcus Jones are starting to emerge, uh, you know, in special teams and on defense. Both had impacts in this game. Big impacts. Big impacts. You know, and again, it's only one game, but at the same time, this early in their career, they're having a big impact on the game. You have to feel good about that. I thought Brendan Brendan Schooler made a great play on special teams, and Absolutely. he got hammered by an awful horse caller call. That should have never been a penalty. Uh, but, you know, you, you look at this rookie class, and, uh, you know, uh, he mentioned Bailey Zappi, too. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't lighting, as Derek said, lighting the world on fire. No. But he showed a ton of poise to be thrown in cold with absolutely no, you know, no preparation because, you know, they leaned on Hoyer heavily all week long. So, you know, he was probably running the scout team offense. 
I, I doubt he got much play at all with the you know the starting unit. There's some, conf- there. there's, there's some uh, conflicting takes on that, by the way. I've heard some people say, some people say, I want to say it was Andrew Callahan of the Boston, uh, it was the Boston Herald that, yeah. um, you know, that they split reps throughout the week. I had others, I had, uh, there was another reporter who said that they, they, that like to what you just said, that Zappy really wasn't involved in the mix. Someone right. like Ted Johnson said that, the production crew had a lot on Zappy, and it made him feel like maybe they there was absolutely some kind of, did. By the way, they yeah, did. and I don't know. It's just I just I didn't mean to interject, Steve, but there is some conflict. I, I'm curious to know, you know, if if the team, you know, in, during the production meeting, if maybe there was some kind of hesitation with Hoyer that maybe they were going to go to Zappy sooner. I don't know. I just was. I think I thought it was interesting how there was a lot of different opinions on on how those reps were split in preparation for this game. But yeah, but for a, you know, third string, fourth round rookie quarterback, um, I, in his first NFL action, I thought he acquitted himself pretty well. Yeah. You know? So I disagree with that. Huh? No, I'm not going to disagree with that. Oh, and okay. No, uh, I, yeah, listen, I, totally I thought it came, I thought it came down to some coaching decisions at the end. And like you said, we'll get into that. Yeah. I but, listen, I really um, want, I want to dive in. And, I do. Trust me. And I, I thought the running game was fantastic. Totally agree. Yep. Totally agree. Derek, I want to go right to you because I was uh, thinking about you watching the game. So here's my question. What was going through your mind when you saw Brian Hoyer heading to the locker room? <laughs> well, this sucks. <laughs> my first thought was I thought I honestly thought Zappy was going to be a, just an absolute nightmare. Um, and not really for I mean, we saw him in the preseason and. He definitely had some. It didn't impress me. I'll be honest. It didn't impress me. No, he didn't impress me at all. But he had a couple of throws in the preseason. I thought once he settled down at times where I was like, okay, that's that's a good throw. But usually early in those games, it looked more like a fire drill. And I looked at my friend who I went to the game with and I said, man, there's a chance the Patriots are going to lose this game by like three, you know, three touchdowns. Now I thought that the turnovers were going to really come. And um, I was incredibly impressed early I mean again it's not like he threw what 14 passes it's not like he lit the world on fire but he had some nice touch throws he looked like he he looked comfortable uh obviously he leaned on the running game which was tremendous uh all day long as uh and you know Isaiah Wynn <laughs> didn't do uh, didn't do Bailey Zappi any any favors uh no, but luckily once Marcus Cannon rotated in the second half I thought that that helped out quite a bit he almost had two quarterbacks killed by the way so yes yeah, uh, not I, literally, but you know what I mean. In football, yeah, I know what you mean. And I, I, it was a really tough spot. I mean, first start, kind of coming in cold. You know, no warm ups, no game. I mean, obviously he had game prep, but it's you know what the second, third series of the game. And I'll tell you, um, just just as a really really quick background, you know, this is a trip that I've wanted to take for a long time. Uh, we had excellent seats, Patriots sideline. I was about fifty rows up. Um, but dead accurate, pretty much dead on the 50. And I was telling Steve, it, Lambeau is really fascinating for us. Um, it's not like most uh, stadiums I've been to. Gillette, you know, has like the three bowls where it's like the yeah. lower bowl, the middle, and the 300s up top. It's really more like a college stadium where it's like one continuous flowing thing. And the um, my view was tremendous of, of really like Notre Dame or, uh, or Michigan. Yes, I've never been to Notre Dame, but from what I've seen, yes, it's similar. Uh, very much a college vibe stadium. I mean, metal bleachers give it the whole thing, and it was loud too. 
I thought at the stadium. And that's what impressed me more about just in person. I don't know how it sounded on TV, but being in person, seeing the crowd and the crowd really did kind of, I thought really amped it up when Zappy came in and why wouldn't they? It's a young backup quarterback and most yeah. of the fans there are pretty educated. And honestly, the people of green Bay were fantastic too. I just want to mention that Wisconsin was awesome. So um, it was a, it was a fun, it was a fun trip. Definitely a fun trip. Yeah. I, okay. You know, I, I've been, I've been to a, I, I've been to a Green Bay game at Gillette, and the Packers fans I met at Gillette were awesome. You know, we were sitting amongst them all game long. You know, there was good-natured jibes back and forth whenever a team yeah. make a play, but they were just fantastic. And I, I've heard from several people that, you know, they're very welcoming when people go up there, and that that's definitely on my bucket list. I definitely want to go there. Okay. Steve, right back to you. I want to get your thoughts on Bailey Zappi, and then we'll transition and talk about the running game. But I want to focus, get your view of Zappi. And what was going through your mind? Well, when he came in, I was very worried because he's had no, you know, very little playing time. Well, he's had no playing time, you know, since the season started. So um, I was concerned that, you know, you're in Lambeau Field. That's a tough place to play, even when Tom Brady was the, the quarterback for the Patriots. That is not an easy place to play in. You're going against Aaron Rodgers, who's, you know, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL during this generation. Uh, I, I was worried the Packers were just going to come after him full bore and just annihilate him. But, you know, they had the running game going, and I thought Zappy. Kept his poise. Now, a couple of times, and again, these are rookie mistakes. He held the ball way too long on a couple of occasions. I think two of those sacks you can definitely attribute that he was just holding the ball far too long. And right. just there comes a time where if nothing's open, you just throw it away. You know, you don't get hammered like he did and take a sack. You just get rid of it and, you know, you live to fight another down or you punt. But, uh, but, you know, he made a couple of nice throws. Um, I thought he settled down in the second half. He looked a little skittish in the first half, which is expected. I mean, he's a rookie. That's his right. first game. He's coming in. So you kind of expect that a bit. But, you know, I thought he settled down really well in the second half. Uh, that throw to Devontae Parker for the touchdown, I thought. Yeah, nice touch throw. I, I thought that was a nice throw, and it was – he, I know he went through his progressions and then he saw Parker breaking open. That's good because that's the kind of vision you want, uh, you know, your quarterbacks to have. And so I thought overall, I mean, he ended up granted, he only threw 15 passes. He completed 10 for 99 yards and a touchdown, but he had 107.4 like quarterback rating for the day. That's not too shabby for a rookie. No, and you know what, too, just as a quick – as a last thought on him, I would say some of the best throws or I guess some of the best plays were some of the throws he didn't make and, you know, where I thought he was really careful with the football. Obviously, the Patriots coaching staff was playing very conservative with him, and we'll get to that. But I thought that ultimately decision-making is a massive part of the quarterback position. And and someone in his position, you know, being zappy – you know, being you know being a little rattled or frazzled certainly wouldn't be an overly big surprise. And for him to kind of keep his composure and I think keep the ball out of harm's way 
for the most, you know, for the most part, I thought that was one of the most impressive things about him. Okay. You go back to another James Bond reference, you know, a double O has to know when to shoot and when not to shoot. And That's... he did that. He knew not, you know, when, not to throw the ball in harm's way. I mean, no, that's it's you a good two point. in your 007 references. <laughs> I love it though. <laughs> I, I know you both do. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Okay, guys, as we're talking about the offense, and then trust me, we will talk about the defense. But let's talk about the running game, Steve. You already talked a little bit about it. This is what gives me hope, especially in the situation that the Patriots are in right now, in regards to the quarterback. Who's going to be the quarterback? And when does Mac Jones come back? If it's later than sooner, they're going to need a strong running game. I got a lot of good indicators that the running game is going to keep them in many games. And they mixed it up here in this game. We saw some of the zone blocking. We saw more of the power game, but we saw a mix, Steve. I was very impressed. You know, it's funny because I kept hearing how great the two-headed monster was for the Green Bay Packers. How about the two-headed monster for the Patriots, Steve? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you know, coming into the game, we knew Mac Jones wasn't going to be playing. So the Packers knew the Patriots were going to lean on the running game. And then even more so after Hoyer went down in, in the second series. So Green Bay knew they were going to run the football, and they still ran it. And they ran it extremely well. I mean, uh, I they had over 160 yards on the ground. And, you know, uh, when you're looking at guys like, uh, you know, uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, I mean, I thought both of them ran the ball very, very well against the team that knew they were trying to run it. Right. So you, you have to tip your hat there. And, you know, the offensive line, I thought did a great job in the running game. I thought Cole Strange, uh, Trent Brown, Trent Brown was loving it when oh. they were running to his side, especially late in the game. You know, he kept flexing and, uh, you know, because I think offensive linemen love when they run the ball because then they don't have to worry about backpedaling. They just tee off and hit somebody. And as we all know, Trent Brown has the size to be a steamroller. So, okay. and, you know, Marcus Cannon, I thought, Coming in, I mean, he's like a thousand years old now, but guess what? In the running game, he's still very effective. I thought he did a great job. I'm still surprised he's back with the Patriots. I'm going to say this <laughs> because my family, we all had a conversation about Marcus Cannon because we learned, and Steve, I called you on the way home when his family told us he was leaving and going back to Houston, you know, that they were leaving and basically it didn't sound like they were going to be coming back. And they came back, and he came back to the Pats, and he's making a difference. He is making a difference. I I, th I think he'll probably replace Isaiah Wynn in, in the starting unit, if if not sooner. Yep. It might be in a week or so. But, I mean, you know, we can get into that. But, uh, right. you know, Wynn to me is a liability right now. And Cannon – you know, he had his uh, he had a couple of issues in pass blocking, but you know, in the running game, he's still a road grader. Let's talk a little bit about Cole Strange. Maybe, maybe I'll go to you, Derek, because hopefully you got a good view of this. He's mm -hmm. really starting to impress me now. We can go back to the draft and talk about where he's drafted. People can do that, but <laughs> as a player, as it's someone that basically has really turned into a plug and play player, and the running game 
you could see his impact in the running game. We're talking about a guard here is making an impact on the Patriots running game. So just real quick, we'll start with Strange, but I want to make a comment about the offensive uh, line too. But sure, go ahead. For, for Strange specifically, I thought in this game particularly, you continue to see his athleticism kind of pull through. Um, and uh, I do think he struggles at times, uh, you know, as most rookies would do. I, I think that he's someone who in the next year or two, as he, um, you know, kind of develops – in you know the NFL strength inc program and you know insert your felger you know <clears throat> you know here but uh, no yeah. as he as he as he you know gets you got to understand when these kids are going to be drafted they're they're still their bodies are still developing and then you get into you know your professional setting instead of a college student you're going to be lifting more eating better your coach better so he's going to get stronger and i think that will definitely definitely uh help him at times but Russ, he's been he's been very good so far. He hasn't been perfect, but no. he's been very good. Um, and you know, also on your you know on the, you guys' conversation with about Marcus Cannon, right? I honestly, I I honestly think that there's a chance that they move on from Isaiah Wynn before you know before or at the trade deadline. I really do. I I I, I wonder if I really wonder how much Isaiah Wynn wants to be with the Patriots. I think they they need him more than they want him. That's just my outside view looking in i don't know that for certain but it doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like not only is he playing well he's he's or he's not only not playing well he is actually playing much worse than he was at any time last year earlier in his career um and in this game it was so bad they literally had to bench him now some people have said that was a rotational thing i totally disagree i don't think there was anything rotational about it uh but You know, the line as a whole, Russ, I thought played very well, you know, Sands win on Sunday. And it really set things up, um, you know, for the run game, which obviously we talked about was impressive. So, well, going back to that, Derek, because you probably got a really good view of this. What's interesting about this, because we're now going to talk about the play calling of Matt Patricia in just a second. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, I want to get your thoughts on I thought that the Patriots offense was dictating the game here. And that's shocking in Green Bay. At times, the fact that you have a third-string quarterback and you're able to really run it down their throats and control the game was something that I was not expecting. And this is also one of the reasons why you got the tweet that I sent out, that for all the complaining, rightfully so, about all the zone running plays, it came to fruition in a positive way in this game along with a power game. And that to me, you probably got a good view of this. I would say this, and I watched I watched the TV copy. <clears throat> um, let's see, I got back Monday, so last night, and um, they had more success in their traditional runs than they did on the on their you know kind of the newer stuff they want to they want to work in. But we've seen them work it in more and more, and I think they're going to continue to do both because I think if they can execute it properly, using having both kind of um, cards in their back pocket will serve them well long-term. And they right. obviously want to run the ball. And there's a lot of different things they want to do and incorporate. But but they, uh, I, I think Greg Bedard had their yards per carry at almost double at their, you know, power gap runs versus versus the latter. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, to see how much more they work it in. Um, but either way, I mean, they have – some they have some athleticism on that offensive line. They have two guys with very similar but yet slightly different skill sets in the backfield. And 
look, their their quarterback situation, given the injuries, you know, for the first quarter of the season, I mean, they've had to they've had to adjust on the fly. And they, I think they've done a pretty good job, um, you know, for the most part as a coaching staff. But I thought that some of their decision making in this game was was flawed. And uh, I don't think I want to say this before we get into this. Yep. I, I do think Patricia's play calling has has been relatively fine. And I know that it's not ultimately all his entire decision. I think people need to stop blaming him. If, it, if things go south, it's not just a him thing. Let's let's keep in mind how much Bill is involved in this team, especially on offense this season. And I thought the coaching decision was a little too tight in this game, Russ. Okay, so let's now get to talking about Matt Patricia. And Steve, over to you. And let's talk about a big picture and definitely want to talk about the end of the game, especially in overtime, because that's where I think the play calling can certainly be looked at and ripped apart. But before that, when we look at it as a whole, I thought he did a very good job with a third-string quarterback of managing this game and calling a good game with Bailey Zappi as your quarterback and really mixing and matching, as Derek was just saying, the different style of runs. So in that way, I thought the Patriots dictated the play in the in the running game offensively, and I think his play calling was good. Now, the negative is it was extremely conservative, where at times they could have used even more play action, especially in overtime. They were not aggressive in overtime, and I think that came back to bite them. And that comes back to the play calling. Your thoughts? Steve? Is he there? I don't know. Yeah. yeah um, you know, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Can hear you, Steve. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you know, I, I thought Patricia had a great game plan coming in. And I thought, for the most part, they executed extremely well. I mean, you're coming in limited. You know, you're starting with your backup quarterback, and then you're forced to go to your third string, and you're still taking the lead in the fourth quarter in Lambeau Field. So I find, you know, a, a lot of criticism against Patricia's play calling. I find that a lot of that to be, you know, you're, you're letting your biases show through. You know, he did what no. he had to do to keep the team in the game. Now, yeah. that being said, I thought I agree with both of you guys. They went overboard with trying to protect Zappi. You want to protect yep. his, you know, his A confidence. A little too much. Forward. But then in, in overtime, all right, your defense gets a stop, okay? You stop Aaron Rodgers at the end of regulation and then in overtime. You You're in situation him. to win the game. Yes, and then Marcus Jones runs you back to midfield. You're on your own 49-yard line. One first down, you know, puts you in a position where you can kick a field goal and win the football game. That's not the time to play Marty Ball, okay? And that's what they did at that point. They They played Marty Ball because they didn't play to win. They played not to lose, and there's a big difference. Yeah. Because on first down – I think it was Stevenson that gained five yards. So it's second and five. Green Bay's playing the run all the way. Could have gone to play action here, Steve. Play There's action no pass. You know, you can call a safe one. You just tell your, your quarterback, okay, we're going to play action pass. We're going to throw a safe pattern. If it's not there, throw the ball away. Don't turn it over. 
and then we'll still have third down to decide what we want to do. I thought on first or second down they could have done that if they wanted to right. do. It was Harris, by the way. Not that it really matters. It was okay. Harris for five yards. Yeah. No, but Harris, but, either. I mean, either way. But it was Harris for five yards. It's like just do something like a traditional play action boot. Have a couple of guys going over the middle. Just tell Bailey if it's not there, just throw it out of bounds. You know, it just. I thought. On first or second down, I totally agree with you guys. It was like, Russ, to your point, I feel like I understand why they were playing so conservative with Zappi for the for the majority of the game. Yeah. And they did that with Mac a lot last season. But there's times, there's a time when you, I feel like you have to look at it and say, you're playing on the road, tough place to play against a very good football team, against one of the best quarterbacks of the modern era. And it's like, you're right in this game. One first down, and that game is over. It's like just take a little bit of a risk. You got. I think yeah. I thought that was a. That's know, when you have to go for it. You, yeah, you have, have to, to have to because if if you think you're going to stop Aaron Rodgers three times in a row, two of them in overtime. Yep. I, I think you're dreaming at that point. See the so, whole going for it on fourth down. I'm I'm not down with. But I agree. I, I'm not down with that. I'm. But it goes. But the game the was there down. for them to win yes. it on second and third down. The yes, game was there for them. It was. And they played Marty Ball. You they know? Did. No, there's no and, question about and, it. And I thought, you know, there comes a time, like Derek said, where it's okay, you're protecting your rookie quarterback, but this is a time to let him play because this this is crunch time. You're either going to win the game here or you're going to lose it. Because I even though they pinned them back, and when they punted, I was like, I don't care if they pin them on the two. Aaron Rodgers is going to go down and get yep. them points. Yeah, 12 and, plays later. You know, he did. <laughs> and we'll get into the defensive play calling in a bit. Yep, but, we're, uh, to ask, we're going there next. But, you know, overall, in the big scheme of things, I didn't have a, an issue with the way Patricia called the game. Yeah. You know, in this game, all day. And, I mean, you know, he did what he had to do with a, a rookie quarterback. I mean, and Russ, when you said you had no problem with the punt on fourth down, you mean in overtime, correct? Yeah, no, I'm talking about it. I'm talking about an overtime. Yeah, no, okay, so we're on the same page. Just yeah, in so overtime, we're all we're all in lockstep. Then they should yes. have, especially you know, too. You get a stop in overtime. You get you get a huge huge boost from Marcus Jones, twenty yard punt return there, critical spot. I mean. I, I thought the game was over. I thought the game. I thought the Patriots won the game. They had the ball at midfield. I was like two, like one, two first downs. Nick Folk's not going to miss that's this. It. Let's head to the parking lot. Like it's over. I and and so do the for for what for what it's worth. So do the Packers fans around me. I had a guy tap me on the back and said, "Man, your team played a hell of a game. This one's over." And I go, "Well, we'll see." Right. But I, I I thought they I thought they had it. And and again, I just thought it was maybe it's one of those things where. I, I don't, we don't know what's going on, on the sideline, right? Maybe it's one of those things where Patricia will look back on this as a learning experience and say, damn, I should have done that. Maybe Bill told Matt, Hey Matt, let's keep it nice. Let's, it, it, you know, just keep it, keep, uh, you know, keep doing what we're doing. Let's not take any shots here. And maybe the two of them are looking at it like hindsight 2020. I don't know whose decision ultimately that was, but I'd be curious to know, you know, we'll never know, but I would be curious to know, or if we see that situation again, if they handle it the same way or a different way. But I definitely thought, you know, it sounds like we're we're all in agreement that was a, that was a mistake. Well, let me ask Steve this question. Yeah, I, I'm just I thinking about this. The go title ahead. of our show. Yep, fourth and two. Patriots right. fourth exactly. and two. Exactly. I, mean, I was thinking about know, that. They were going against Peyton Manning, and yeah. you know they tried to win the football game. Now they failed at it. But they tried to win it. That I don't have an issue with that. You know, okay. I had a major issue with them not trying to win the game when it was right there. 
And okay. thank you, Claire, for your two nice comments. Uh, okay, I love so it. let's take Matt Patricia out. I'm not going to put Josh McDaniels in. I'm going to put Charlie Weiss in. Does Charlie Weiss go to a play-action pass on second down? What do you think, Steve? I think he does. Absolutely. Yeah. Or to Derek's point, he might have did it on first down. Right. Yeah. Right. Right to Derek's point. I just because Charlie was more aggressive. Charlie, I have no problem. I have no aggressive. problem if they they ran it on first down. The running game was going well for them. The running game was going well for both teams. Um, you know, and I have no problem with it going on first down. I think on first down. Rookie quarterback, I think the Packers defense would have been caught sleeping there a little bit. I thought the same yep. thing on second down, but uh, th- I felt like there were opportunities there, you know, a couple of times, and especially the second half, but late in the game, there were opportunities there where sometimes I just feel like you have to realize you're playing with house money, you know, and they were. They were yep. playing with house money up big in the casino, and it's like you just got to take a little bit of a risk there. I don't uh, and then, you know, if, let's flip over to the defensive side because I know yep. you wanted to to do yeah, that. No, and, absolutely. And, you know, so the Patriots, they have to punt. And all of a sudden, the Packers have to go, I want to say, 23 yards. Or they're, they're on their own 23. And I felt like the Patriots specific, just like on offense where they weren't playing to win, they were playing not to lose on defense. And their coverage, Russ, their coverage went from – Basically, what I thought even was, I talked about this. We they spun the dial a little bit in this game. They went with the they went with some zones. They played some man for a little bit. Later in the game, they're playing like this. Like they're playing like their defensive backs are basically like all right. The receivers are on the line of scrimmage. Ten yards league. off, Derek. Yeah, they were like eight, nine, ten yards off, and it's like they're just like trying to keep everything in front of them. And and I get it. I get it to a point, but not every single play. I mean, you're just basically giving the entire field to Rodgers to just pick you apart. And I, I thought that was a huge, huge mistake by the defensive play callers with, with uh, you know, with Steve and, and Gerard. Okay. Steve, back over to you. Because in general, and we'll go back to talking about the uh, questionable decisions <laughs> defensively because I agree with Derek on that. But when I look at the defensive performance, this goes back to what Derek had said earlier about the rookies, and of course, Jack Jones. Great job. But overall, I thought they did a great job. I said decent, maybe even better than decent job against Aaron Rodgers overall. But the big problem was they got gashed in the running game. And I kept saying to myself, it wasn't bothering me, but it just kept adding up. And then, especially at the end of the game, it just, it was too much. They really, you know, got gashed in the running game. It didn't seem it. But seven or eight yards, every single other play was was adding up, Steve. Oh, yeah. And they they did get gashed in the running game. But, you know, um, but it, it wasn't costing them in points. You no. know, they, they were able to string together a couple of stops. And to your point, they did a really good job of, you know, competing against Aaron Rodgers. Now, I mean, I wasn't expecting that. that. I got to be honest with you. I was not expecting that. There was a couple of plays that they had absolute excellent coverage, and he just they were playing man against Aaron Rodgers, right? And that's when they were competing very, very well. I mean, that that play against Jonathan Jones, I think it went for thirty something yards. Um, Even Tony, Tony Romo said it on the telecast. You can't 
play it any better than that. It, it was a, a just a throw. perfectly thrown football. And, you know, you just have to shake that off because those things are going to happen. But, you know, the one thing that I will say, I talked to Mark Schofield, guy who I really respect, you know, with his analysis and whatnot. Friend and he said, uh, yeah, uh, he said the Packers, whenever they needed a play in the passing game, they looked for 27 in white and which is miles bryant and they picked on him yeah you know um and that that's something that's going to need to be addressed because he's a liability back there derek and i were talking yesterday and we kind of agree you know watching jack jones now you know he's going to get burned eventually because he's so aggressive somebody's going to put a double move on him yep and he, you know he's going to get burned but i can live with that because of the way he can move on the football. And, you know, Derek and I talked about it offline yesterday, and we said, you know, when moving forward, when they go to those three, you know, cornerback nickel packages, I'd rather see the two Joneses, meaning Jonathan and uh, Jack, and Jalen Mills when he's healthy. Right. You know. Yeah, I and, think Jack needs to start getting more playing time. And right, you know, we said this yesterday, Russ, when when Jack crazy. Jones when Jack Jones jumped that route and took it to and what did you do? What, what did you What did you do when you saw that? I looked at my buddy Shane, who's a who is a, who's a Packers fan, but he also is an Arizona State alum, where Jack Jones came from, and I go, "There's your boy." <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but I I was telling I was telling Steve yesterday, Russ, that Jack oh, he jumped that route so hard he almost overran it when he his 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 arms were like leaning way back to get yeah. the ball. Yeah. And from my view live, I thought he was outreaching to the right. When I saw it on replay, I go, oh my gosh, he he literally jumped it so hard he had to lean back to get it because he almost missed it. And he almost Bill, missed that. Uh, Bill's that's face was part. Bill's face was priceless. I don't think I feel like he <laughs> been, he, he couldn't believe what what happened, but that was a massive massive swing. The look on Belichick's face was, I mean, he had the look of total shock. Yes, right there. I I screamed like you wouldn't believe. I was like, oh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And Derek, you've been talking up Jack Jones for I don't know how long, and now it paid off. And you got to see it live with your friend. I mean, that's pretty cool. Well, you know, and And, I'll say this. this, Oh, go ahead, Steve. Yeah, that was right at the end of the first half. And then, you know, you're thinking, okay, the Packers are going to try to double dip here, score at the end, first half, and get the ball back in the second half. And that was a huge swing right there. Yeah. I mean, and, and I said this swing. before. I said this before. You know, on Jack Jones, I I think his his playing style really reminds me a lot of Asante Samuel's playing style, of J.C. Jackson's playing style. He's an aggressive. They're they're aggra- they're an aggressive, you know, style corner, and they're going to be competitive. Like Steve just mentioned, he's going to get burned at times. I'm sure we'll see it in the next few weeks because the more on tape, people are going to see that, and you know, but. He is someone who's a feisty player, um, and he's he, he grew on me. Uh, you know, the more and more I watched him, but uh, I, I'm curious to see his playing time, Russ, because I do think okay. that they're at the point now where it's not a it's not a big knock on Miles Bryant. It's really just his size, and he's a young player too. But I think consistently, you've seen Miles Bryant get picked on, and with 
with Jack Jones's ability to to create turnovers as he did twice in this game, uh, I think you have to play. I think you have to play him. Okay. Just to change the subject, not that we talk a lot about special teams, I want to talk to you, Steve, about what why it took so long to get Marcus Jones involved. Why did we have to wait until this game? Well, I think that part of the reason is, you know, he's a rookie. And as we all know, Belichick, especially early in the season, likes to lean on the veterans. I think that Marcus had to prove to the coaches. And remember, he missed some, uh, you know, quite a bit of early training camp time. So he missed out on that stuff. I think it had to be, you know, he had to prove to the coaches that, he can handle the job. And then I think it's just compounded with two weeks in a row. They had muff punts that both of them almost ended up as absolute disasters on them. But it set your team back, even though they recovered, you know. So I, I think it was strictly a question of that. Okay. But I think moving forward, oh, it's he, it's going to be him all the way. Absolutely. Steve. And you can see that this is just the beginning, Derek. I'll go to mm. you now of what Marcus Jones can give you. It, it goes back to me with having Edelman back there. You knew when Matt Edelman was back there that uh, something could happen. And I feel the same way whenever the ball is in his hands. And that's after one game. Yeah. And this is something that he did back in college, you know, on a regular basis. And it's something that uh, he was a total weapon, both the punt, punt and kick situation. And we saw it. I mean, he, you know, Green Bay coming into this game, guys, had the best starting field position on offense in the entire NFL, and their opponents had the worst. Uh, they were tremendous in, you know, making sure that they have, you know, better you know, field position. I want to say, let me look up. I have. I was just looking it up here. I want to say, of course, I'm trying to find it on the fly. He had That's eight. Okay. Or, Marcus Jones had eight or nine touchdown returns for <laughs> as a special teams player in college. That's a lot. That's crazy. That's a um, lot. Yeah, a lot. And I, I can't find it now, and it's bad podcasting, so I'll, I'll continue. But he had a lot That's in college, okay. and he's an electric okay. returner, and you saw it there. Like I said, he I thought he almost single-handedly won the new game um, at the end. I, I, I thought for sure. It actually looked like, from my perspective, I actually thought he was going to take it to the house. He was one broken tackle away from ending that game in overtime. Uh, yeah. And it was uh, it was a, a you know a, an impressive performance. I think it does come back to trust with Bill. I know Miles Bryant had never done it before, but he is a second year player. He had been on the team all last year. He fought his way onto the roster. I'm sure Bill likes his versatility. And as Steve alluded to, Marcus Jones had double sh- shoulder surgery over the summer, so he missed a little bit of time. I do think he'll get some more work in as a defensive back eventually, but starting him here and giving him a role, I think is key. And just keeping both of those rookie Joneses kind of working in the mix slowly, I think is something that we all want to see. Okay. I don't miss Gunner, by the way. So no. uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. All right. Coming up next, we're going to end the show by previewing the upcoming game against the Lions. Okay. Derek, over to you. Looks like uh, Steve will have to just jump back in. Opening thoughts on the Lions. Thoughts on the Lions. Let me tell you this. People who have not paid attention to the Lions are missing out on a very interesting team. Uh, they are extremely high scoring. Uh, they're, but they're also giving, not only are they the 
they're the leading team in points per game, Russ, on offense. They also give up the most points on defense. So, uh, you know, they they are really averaging some pretty high scores. Um, they have the best running attack in the NFL from a yards per carry perspective at 5.9. And they have some really, really interesting young players on both sides of the ball. So the Lions have really done a nice job kind of putting a nice little culture together. I think if you watched Hard Knocks, you saw Dan Campbell, who can be a little bit of a clown, but honestly, it looks like his guys play hard for him, and it yep. looks like a team that kind of plays fast and loose. And I think it's something that will help them some weeks and will break them other weeks. Um, I'm curious, Russ, because I do think that the Patriots, given the quarterback situation, I'm wondering how many points, if it gets high scoring, if, if the Patriots can keep up. The other part of me feels like, does a team that plays fast and loose like a Dan Campbell Lions team, does that hurt them versus a Bill Belichick team that's usually pretty disciplined? So that'll be interesting for me to see from you know a Lions perspective this coming week. Okay. The Florida internet is back up, Steve. <laughs> Opening thoughts on, on the Lions. Yeah, I apologize for that, but we're still having some glitches in the internet here. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean... You, I, I didn't hear all of Derek's comments. I just heard the, the end of it. But you look at Detroit's offense, and, you know, they're the number one offensive team in the NFL, and yep. they're number 32 defensively. So you're <laughs> guaranteed there's going to be some excitement in this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, they scored a bunch of points last week without two of their best receivers. So this yep. is a team offensively that is stacked. I think they're going to present a really tough matchup for the Patriots' defense, especially in that running game. And um, yeah, but defensively, they they can be had. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So um, I look at this game as it's definitely winnable, but it's not going to be easy, especially you know if, if you're you know playing your third string quarterback again. Okay. Good stuff. All right, guys, let's ratchet it up. Over to you, Mr. Havens. Which team has the advantage when the Patriots are on offense and the Lions are on defense in the running game? Well, in the running game, I'll give the Patriots the advantage. I think that they have really done a nice job, um, you know, kind of developing this run game over the last you know, a couple of weeks. I like how they're working in different things. Um, Damian Harris and Steven and, and Ramondre Stevenson are both very similar, but have very different qualities too at the same time. And I like the way that Harris is so steady and uh, kind of reliable where, and, and Stevenson, I would say he runs with a little bit more of like an angry, like an, a kind of more of a little, a little angry or a little harder to bring down. Obviously he has a little bit more size, but he's a little bit of a different skill set. Um, I just think, while the two are very similar, their differences play off each other quite well. And uh, I, I just like, I like, aside from Isaiah Wynn, the offensive line has uh, been very impressive for the Patriots so far in the running game specifically. And so I, I do think the Patriots have a good advantage in this run game versus most teams. Okay. Steve, over to you. Who has the advantage when the Patriots are on offense and the Lions are on defense in the passing game? You know, I just said they're, it's going to be tough with the third-string quarterback. I still think they, they can move the ball on this. I mean, this secondary, everyone they've played so far has shredded them. They've given up almost 280 yards a game, you know, passing. And, um, you know, they're not getting a ton of pressure on quarterbacks. 
So that that just compounds the problem. I think, you know, the Patriots, they they have to rely on their quicker guys this week. You know, guys like Aguilar, um, uh, Kendrick Bourne, and then you can go to Devontae Parker when you get down close to the red zone. Because I think this uh, this defense has shown that they can be had. I mean, they're giving up almost, uh, was it, 445 yards a game. So, you know, with the running game being effective, I think the passing game will be very effective for them. You know, it's it's all going to come down to what happens on the other side, I think. Okay. And the one thing that they cannot do, Stephen, I think you're going to agree with me, and they have to work with if it's going to be Bailey Zappi, I think it's going to be cannot have delay of game calls. They just can't – it can't happen, especially not back-to-back, which it should have happened. It should have been yeah. back-to-back. I was screaming at my TV. I don't know what if what Derek was doing at Lambeau screaming when the clock's water. running down. <laughs> you doing the same thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that just can't happen. I just want to mention that. Okay. Let's flip it. Steve, back to you. Patriots are on defense, and the Lions are on offense. Who has the advantage when – the Lions are uh, passing the ball. Oh, and they're passing the ball. Yep. I thought you were going to me in the running game. I think the Lions have to ha- have this advantage. Now, that being said, I think the Patriots can compete. But, you know, um, uh, you know they've had injuries. Uh, Amon – I'm going to – Amon Ross St. Brown. Yes, Amon <laughs> Ross St. Brown and DJ Chalk both missed – the Seahawks game and they still, you know, put up what uh 45 points. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean it's crazy. That's that is amazing. But you know, they they also have uh they they have some well, I think he's an excellent tight end and uh Hawkinson. Yep. So I mean the Lions can throw the ball. I think they're gonna be really tough for the Patriots to match. But I mean, you know, they're gonna have to get some pressure home on this and you know um but overall i think detroit gets the nod in this one okay well the lions tight ends no ryan Izzo. okay let's move on <laughs> derek don't, to you don't incite her <laughs> i know i should have done that all right hi claire all right who has the advantage when the lions are on offense the patriots are on defense in the running game the Lions do. Uh, you know, they're averaging an NFL best 5.9 yards per carry. DeAndre Swift, if he plays, um, has really elevated his game over the past year or so. Um, and he's he's come he's become quite a player, not only on the ground, but also in the receiving game. Uh, and they have a good backup in Jamal Williams if if he doesn't go. But they have done a good job. And if you guys remember a couple sh- like I want to say like right around the beginning of the season, I was talking about a young offensive coordinator and Ben Johnson for this Lions team, and he's yeah. really got this team kicking it. In, in high gear right now. It's going to be a handful for the Patriots on defense, and the Patriots have had their struggles in the run game. I think there's a reason that Jamie Collins is back with the team for, what, yeah. a fourth stint now? Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix at some point and elevated off the practice squad this week. Uh, and and so that, that, to me, is just one of those things where I do think it, even though Bill probably wants to go younger, and I think we've seen him adapt a little bit, I think at the same time when his team's struggling and he can't find an answer, he's going to fall back on what he knows. And what he knows is playing a defense a certain way and playing players that can go a certain way. So as much as he probably wanted Mac Wilson to 
to, you know, kind of elevate and some other guys, he's probably looking at them like right now, they're just not getting the stops they need to in the ground game. They've been bleeding on yep. the opposing ground game. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, Collins, you know, everyone thinks he's going to move out to the edge. I think they're going to put him as a off the ball linebacker this week. You know, just shore up that middle of the defense. Yeah, we shall see. I don't know. I could be totally wrong with that. But, you know, I I think they've been okay on the edge. They still need some work there. But I I think where they're lacking is in the middle. Oh, yeah. Totally agree, Steve. All right. To end the show, let's do three keys to victory and prediction. Over to you, Mr. Havens. Give me your three keys and then give me a prediction for the game. Well, you know, to me, to me, guys, Right now, my first key, I really want to keep it up front, which is what we just talked about. And the NF, the you know, the Lions have a very good ground game, best in the league, like I said, in terms of yards per carry. And the Patriots have really had problems keeping teams, uh, you know, limited in that front. And you know, I as much as as much as uh, Damian Harris and Vermonter shooting as well as they ran the ball this last Sunday, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones really hurt them in a lot of different play, you know, a lot of different facets, and. Um, it, it, it just keeps you so handicapped in, on defense when you're getting gashed like that in the running game. To me, it has to start up front from that standpoint. Uh, my second key for me will really be limiting some of their these big plays that the Lions keep getting, these big chunk plays from different guys. And Dan Campbell has this team playing really strong for Detroit right now. I think that um, they've they've just continued to to churn these these. The, Going back to last season, even the Lions are just really getting these big plays on offense. And Jared Goff, as limited as he is, is getting the ball to some playmakers in space. So it leads me to my third key, which is discipline. I think discipline is huge for the Patriots this week. And as well as I think that Dan Campbell has done with this team for Detroit, I wonder, and Steve, you dropped off when I said this to Russ. Detroit's playing fast and loose. And I think that that's one of those things that's going to help you some weeks and hurt you other weeks. I think this is a week where it hurts you because I think a team like a team like the Lions that are going to come in playing fast and loose. I think that Bill will look at it and kind of pick on some of those things where maybe you're not as fundamentally sound or as disciplined as you need to be. I do think that the Patriots will find their way to win this game. Um, I'm going with 27-23. Okay. Steve, over to you. Yeah, I, the big key for me this week uh, is I think that Patriots have to shorten the game. You don't want to get in a shootout with, with this team because we know they can put up points in a hurry. So I think you have to shorten the game, and you do that by running the football and killing the clock and keeping that offense on the sideline. And that means maybe taking – a one yard less than you would by going outside and running out of bounds, but keeping the ball inside and having the clock continue to run. I think if you can shorten the game with your running game, and we know the Patriots can run on just about anyone and people have been running on Detroit, then you have a, a really good chance to do that. Number two, I, I agree with Derek when discipline and it goes to a, a, a number of different things. You can't have breakdowns, offensive line in the secondary and penalties that the penalties have been killing this team. I totally you agree. can't have that this week. So it's, it's an overall discipline thing, I think. And, and the third is 
you you need to win the uh, turnover battle. You have to force, like they did last week, a couple of turnovers to stop the Lions uh, offensively, and you can't turn the ball over against them. I think if you do that, you have a good chance to win. I think it's going to be a little more high scoring. Um, I have Patriots. I'm going to, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid again. Wow. 30 Lions, 28. Wow. That's pretty close to my prediction, Steve. I'm actually going 31, 27. That's my prediction. So, wow. (laughs) So you and Russ and I picked four point differences. Steve picked two points. So we all think it's going to be pretty close. Oh, I, we, I think it's going to be close, Derek. And yeah. that's not great, honestly. The, the Lions, the Lions games have all been close this year. Yeah, yeah, and they've and they put up a lot of points. And if I, if Mac Jones was healthy and playing, I would think I'd feel a little bit better. And if the Patriots hadn't been hurting themselves with penalties, I would feel a little bit better. Right. But I don't think Mac's going to play. I do think Hoyer will play if he's cleared over Zappi. I know we didn't talk about that, but yep. I do think he will start um, if he's cleared. But I do. It's going to be a tougher game, especially with the Patriots' quarterback situation. Okay, and I certainly understand that. Okay, guys, we do have to wrap up the show before we go. Just want to mention, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and also the pastfans.com YouTube channel. We're going to be on there, so please check that out and please do subscribe. You'll get all of our videos. So they're not live, but you'll get our videos. I'm trying to get Ian to let us go live on YouTube, but hopefully I can convince him. <laughs> After he did his damage with this hurricane, I thought maybe he would help us out here. Oh, Just wow. kidding, Ian. Oh, I shouldn't have. I'm just kidding with Ian. <laughs> That's Ian, low, Ian. even for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ian Logue. I love Ian Logue. It was just a joke. Bad joke. But anyways, all right. I'm still mad at Ian for ruining my fruit trees out back. Okay, well, there we go. See, there you go. See, <laughs> see Steve jumped in too, so now I don't feel as bad. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. For Steve Balistrieri and Derek Havens, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Patriots 4th and 2 the official podcast of PatsFans.com.